Today we play golf. Let me show you how we do it in the pros. Yeah! Welcome to Behind the Golf Brand Podcast. I never miss with the seven iron. A conversation with some of the most interesting innovators and entrepreneurs behind the biggest names in golf. My friends were the golf clubs. I lived on the golf course. I lived on the driving range. From Pro Talk. You should learn something from each and every single round you play. To fun from on and off the green. Why would you play golf if you don't play it for money? Just let me put the ball in the hole. This is Behind the Golf Brand Podcast with Paul Liberatore. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Behind the Golf Brand podcast. Today, I have a really good friend of mine. I'm really super excited to talk to him about his new book. That's my friend Charlie. He is an author, lawyer. I mean, he's a jack of all trades. And when I just read his bio, it blew my mind. Just his his life and his accomplishments and who he is as a person. So I'm really excited to have him on the show today. This is going to be a really good time. So welcome to the show. My pleasure. Happy to be with you. So Charlie, tell the audience how old you are, because he told me today and I couldn't believe it. On September the 12th, which is what, six days away, I'll be uh, 92. 92 years old. That is crazy. And he just wrote a book in 92. How cool is that? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I can't even write a book and I'm half, I'm, half, I'm more than half that away. So that's amazing. <laughs> I, I feel well. I think I'm physically, I'm fine. Mentally, as I said, you probably need to talk to somebody else. You can hardly judge your own mental capacity, but I think I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, like you got to get a doctor's opinion, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let me first ask you this. So you are a lawyer. What year did you graduate law school? I, where? I, I went to Yale Law School. Yale. Holy crap. Okay. And what year did you graduate? 1955. Oh, my God. <laughs> so when you graduate from Yale, so just to put some background, are you a professional golfer? No, I'm an 18 handicapper and uh, never expect to get better. And it doesn't and bother it, me a bit. Did you, ever, did you ever get lower than 18 or that's always been kind of like your magic number? Yeah, probably 16. Sixteen. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The that's good. Time, I'm 22. So, well, I mean, that's okay. I never really have cared about score. Uh, I play golf for the camaraderie, the venues, uh, just the, the, the look and feel of it. And uh, obviously, I'd like to play better, but it's not, a, it's not in my, uh, my bucket list. No. You started out, went to law school, you went to Yale, which is it's amazing. And then you graduated from law school. And did you start practicing law once you got right out of school? I joined the law firm right out of law school. I practiced for about nine months. And then this was back in the days when the draft was still in effect. And I was drafted into the army and spent a couple of years there. Then came back to that law firm where I spent another, I guess, six or seven years. And then I had the opportunity to, uh, become a CEO of one of my client companies, Taft Broadcasting Company. And that's how I got from law to business. They drafted you, really? So even you're practicing law, I mean, in the 50s, right? So was this like during Korea, the Korean War, or was it right after Korean War? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we were all drafted. So you got drafted? I I didn't know that. I got a student deferment while I was in college and law school. But the minute I got out of law school um they grabbed you nine months later i was drafted wow and so 
but then you be, you became a JAG, right? Yeah. Well, my army service was divided into two very different parts. One for the first uh, half, I was actually uh, in the counterintelligence corps, oh and uh, then a commission in the Judge Advocate General's Corps came through. And I actually, I jumped from you being jumped a, all over that, right? <laughs> oh, God, I went from being a corporal to a first lieutenant overnight. Uh, and so I spent the last half of my, of my service uh, as a JAG officer. So then you are a JAG officer and you're practicing law in the army. And then you, when did you get out of the army? What year was that? I guess it was, I guess it was 19. Oh God. 55 ish, 56. Is it about, um, I can't even remember now. That's okay. To, um, but I, I went. So you were back. A, but you were able to go back to your law firm, correct? I was. They kind of gave me a leave of absence oh, during cool. the time I was in the in the service. That's right. So, so then when you so you practice law, right? And then one is it, so one of your clients, Taft, correct? Right. I'm not sorry, not Taft. Um, yeah, I tried Taft Broadcasting. Yeah, so Taft, how did so was that a client of yours? And they're like, hey, come work for us over here. Or how did that happen? Well, really quite tragically. The founder of the company and I became very close, but he was killed in a tragic accident. And he really had never spent any time thinking about his succession or his successor. So the board of directors, to my absolute shock and, and amazement, asked me if I'd come in and be CEO. So oh uh, it was a broadcasting company then, radio and TV, but I stayed there 20 years and we built a, a pretty sizable entertainment company. Yeah, yeah. Because this is, this is in Ohio, right? Cincinnati. Cincinnati. I love Cincinnati. It's a cool town. Great town. It's very Midwestern too. You know, like it's not, I don't know. I, I liked it a lot when I went there. So you really went from practicing law to the CEO of a broadcasting company, and they're just like, "Hey, we want you to do this." I mean, you must have you must have been a shining star, right? If they thought you had the ability to run a co corporation like that, that's crazy. Well, I I don't want to flatter myself, but I did know the company. I'd been its general counsel, knew the key people, and uh, but frankly, the biggest challenge I had. Think about this. This founder of the company is killed. The young lawyer comes into the company as CEO. And if you're a, uh, say, a manager of a TV station, you're going to say, hey, they're going to sell the company. The founder is gone. The young lawyer came in. He's never been in this business before. He's there. He's here to uh, sell the company. So it took me over a year to convince my people that that's not what, what I really wanted to do is build the company. But uh, I, I could tell that I couldn't, be, I couldn't begin to do a lot until I was convinced that they believed me. And they finally did, and then we did well. Oh my gosh. So then you were the CEO for 20 years of yeah. Taft. Yeah. So when did you first meet Arnie and Jack? I met Jack when I was CEO of Tap Broadcasting, we had built an amusement park about 20 miles north of Cincinnati. And uh, we had to assemble quite a piece of land. And in order to do it, we had to buy some land that we didn't really want, about 100 acres 
And one of my colleagues said to me, Charlie, we ought to build a golf course there. And I said, are you kidding me? And he said, no, you're, that, that land is premier for a golf course. So I said, well, okay. And choosing who would design the course was pretty easy because uh, Nicholas is an Ohio guy and a Columbus guy. And so we contacted Jack and he said he'd be delighted. He was just beginning at that point to go out on his own. He'd been working with Pete Dye quite a lot, but we were one of the first courses that he did on his own. So we met and became very, very good friends. This is 1952, 1950. So however many years that is since then, um, we've been close pals. So he designed the course for you guys. Right. essentially and that's when you kind of like had your first like now was he was he jack then or was he like kind of working his way up you know what i mean like he wasn't was he the superstar at that point as he is or is he still like you know like where was he in his career at that time he he was a superstar at playing he was a novice at designing uh but he then became a superstar as a designer as well but yeah he, was yeah, just, he has yeah he was really cranking in his career and I didn't meet Arnie until actually I became a commissioner of the LPGA. I did not know Arnie. I started running, running into him then um, because I was exposed to the golf world. And uh, the last event of my uh, LPGA career, I know we're jumping ahead here a bit, but. That's all right. Uh, I'll take us the, back. Uh, Don't worry. Um, Arnie met me on the golf course said, I'd like to talk to you. And so after the round, we got together and had a beer. And Arnie said, Charlie, I want you to come in and run all my companies. Well, I just- Rills? Yeah, I about fell off the chair. And I said, Arnie, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, I can't do it though, because I've already committed since I was about to leave the LPGA. I've already committed to a number of uh, jobs in Ohio, uh, not jobs, but, but uh, positions. Board, board positions, probably. Yeah, board chairman of two or three companies. And so uh, we agreed that we still wanted to figure out a way to make it happen. And about six months later, maybe less than that, three or four months later, I got a call from him and we got together again. And he said, here's what I want to do. I want you to uh, come on board as my uh, advisor and consultant. I want you to share the office with me and I want you and your wife to move from South Florida where we were living to uh, Bay Hill in Orlando, which was his home. Mm -hmm. And so we did that. And I spent 10 absolutely unforgivable years um, about as far from uh, what I had ever thought I would do. We, we had adjoining offices with a door in between <laughs> oh my God. Uh, that's like, sounds like heaven to me. You have no idea. It, it really was. So that's how I got both involved with both of those guys. And then we both stayed pals. Three of us stayed pals over the, 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 those years. It's like, it's like you're star touched, right? I mean, all these things happen and I, I bet you never thought right. in 1955 or, you know, I'll, one day I'll, I'll work with these people. I would have designed these things. I would like never, right? Like you never, all these doors open and aligned, right? And as I think I said 
before we got on the air, maybe that other than my legal job, when I interviewed for the law firm, every other thing that happened to me later came over the transom, not, not something I sought. I didn't certainly didn't seek the tap broadcasting company job. I didn't seek uh, a job with Arnie. I didn't seek the LPGA job, but they all came and, and I, I happily enjoyed them tremendously and feel very blessed to have had those uh, opportunities. Why, why do you think that happened? I think I already know. I barely even know you, to be honest. But why do you think that happened? I had, I had skill, a skill set that happened to fit and uh, ser- serendipity, I think. Nothing more than that. Um, I think it's you as a person, too, though. I think, you, I think people just were drawn to you right? Like as a person. Yeah. Then, you know, and I think that has a lot to do with it too. Like people want to work with good people, right. And fr- be friends with good people and not so yeah. much like there was no agenda, right. Essentially they're like, Oh wow. This guy's a good guy. And no. I bet, I mean, I, you know, I bet you as your relationship grew with Jack, you know, like, Oh, he's friends with Jack too. You know, like yeah. back in the day people, you know, Jack and Arnie were friends. So they were like, Oh yeah, you should talk to Charlie. Right. Like Charlie's cool. And then it's a small world. You don't realize how small it really is. We were very comfortable with one another, each of us. Arnie had grown up in a small town in Western Pennsylvania. I grew up in a very small town in Southeastern Ohio. Um, So we thought alike, we had common values. Uh, And then Jack was an Ohio guy. We got to know him He's Columbus, Ohio only about 40 miles from where I grew up. So there were just a lot of similarities. We had a lot of, of uh, values in common and uh, we just got along. And I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty easy guy to get along with. I really am. Um, and, but I, I was strong enough, I guess, and tough enough that when I needed to be not a nice guy, I, I could do it. When you, I'm gonna go back in time a little bit. So. You meet Jack. It's probably what the sixties. I'm assuming, correct? And well, 1950. Oh, 1950. I go. And so, um, you're still when you met Jack and you were doing all that though. You were still running the um, broadcasting, the broadcasting company. Yeah, right. And then, so you left Taft right in the in the nineties, and. How did the LPGA come up? Like, how did they come to you? How did you build that relationship? Here, here again, it's just, it's uh, after I left Taft, we sold the company. I left Taft and went back to my law firm. And after about a, six months, I began to think, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. The law has changed. <laughs> the firm had grown from like 30 to 200. I just didn't want to do it again. Yeah. So as I was contemplating what I was going to do. The phone rings one day and it's a gal named Judy Dickinson who uh, was the president of the LPGA Players Association. And she said, uh, Mr. Meacham, would you like to be considered as the commissioner of the LPGA? And I said, well, I, I have no idea. I hadn't thought about it. I had no idea it was coming my way. Um, but, you know, I obviously I'll, I'll give it some thought. And I said, but I'm not going to go through a bunch of interviews. I'm too old for that. I uh, 
if, if I'm your man, just call me and we'll go from there. So about six months later, that happened. And I, so I interviewed with the, uh, the board of the LPGA and I took the job. So uh, much later, I was in a meeting with Nicholas. I said, uh, I, I went to see Nicholas, I should say, to ask him about whether I should take the LPGA job. And I said, Jack, you know, I, I know a lot about golf, but I don't know that much about the business end of it. Uh, I've been asked to become commissioner of the LPGA. What, what should I do? And I'll never forget his answer. He said, well, you better damn well take it because I recommended you. Oh, my God. But he and Judy were good friends. And Judy asked Jack if he had any thoughts as to who would be a, co a commissioner candidate. And he recommended me. And I didn't know that until that much, much longer. But that's, uh, that's how that happened. And I told him, I was 60 years old then. And I said, look, I, I'll take the job, but I'll, I'm only gonna take it for five years. Because I'm 60, I didn't know that I was gonna live to be 92. Uh, uh, but I took the job for five years. And uh, obviously, if I had not made that commitment to stay only five years, I probably would have stayed longer. But I, I lived up to my commitment and uh, had a great, great, great time. I mean, I don't even know, like, what does a commissioner do? Like everything. You run the company, right? You're essentially the CEO and yeah, running the, the company. CEO, except you probably even more because with, with the LPGA in those days, I had a small staff, much bigger now. Um, and the commissioner does, does just about everything. And one thing I learned rather interesting to me uh, when I realized it is that uh, in, in business, as, as CEO of a business, you've got two or three top people that if you can't do something, they can. If, if you can't go to a meeting, they can. Not so with the commissioner. It's either the commissioner or nobody. So I went to every event for five years all over the world. Wow. I, I would do it again because the LPGA was not in very good shape when I came in. I needed to build trust among, uh, I always said the LPGA had four constituencies, the players, the sponsors, the fans, and the media. So I had wow. to sort of build the base of all of those up to the point where uh, we could, we could, uh, we could do what we were meant to do. I couldn't imagine that. Like, coming into that situation and not knowing that world, right? I mean, I mean, you know how to be a CEO and you know how to run a company, but like having to figure out essentially a whole industry, right? Just, and and balancing all of those different, you know, interests and facets and whatever it might be to just get to a place where you wanted it to be. Because my, my, when really I was a kid, my, my dad used to always volunteer because I live in Arizona. And my yeah. dad used to always volunteer for the LPGA events because he oh. worked with and he worked with hospice and was, he was a board member. And so like, we'd always go caddy. I remember it was in the early nineties. Right. And it was yeah. always the funnest time. I always enjoyed it. I don't remember what, what tournament was that? It was at moon Valley. I can't remember the name of that one tournament, but it was yeah. always the best time because like the women were so nice and like, they're so yeah. good too. And they're just like kind people. And I, I would walk with my dad while he caddied, you know, on the, pro-am day or whatever it was and right, right. i don't know like i always felt that like the lpga should have gotten more 
I don't, I don't want to say respect, but like more attention than it was getting. Does that make sense? Like, that's what I feel like. yes. And I'll tell you, at the first players meeting that I attended as commissioner, one of the players said, Mr. Meacham, what's, what's our problem? Why can't we be better? And my answer was, I didn't think about it, but it came out pretty easily. I said, I think you have an enormous institutional inferiority complex. Um, this was about the time when the senior tour was just coming on with Arnie and Jack and Trevino and player. Um, we, the LPGA had been beaten up a lot in the media because frankly, my predecessor had some problems. Mm -hmm. So uh, I said, what I want you to do, I want you to stop worrying about what's the media saying? What is the, what does the PGA tour think of us? Uh, what about the senior tour? I said, forget all of that because you can't influence any of it. What you, you can do is be the best that you can be. I want you to walk out of that locker room onto the golf course saying under your breath, I'm as good as anybody in the world and better than most. And I want you to look good. I want you to feel good. And I want you to say, I can do this. And they really responded to that. And from then on, we, that was our mantra. And as you say, the, the women are much more pleasant, frankly, than the men. Uh, they, I loved they, it. And, I was like 12 years old walking on that course. And it oh, was yeah, just like, you, you it was just the best anyway, experience, to be quite honest. It was, uh, I felt good about it, and I've never looked back. So you spend five years with the LPGA, and then Arnie comes over to you and is like, hey, I want you to help yeah. me out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. And we, had, we, we got along famously. Um, because again, he would always say, Charlie's my lawyer because I'm not very smart. And I always used to say, Arnie, when somebody says to me, I'm not very smart, that's when I be sure and that my wallet is buttoned in my pocket securely because that, that is bullshit to me. Because uh, <laughs> you, you, Arnie was street smart in the best sense. Uh, good, good brain. You can't, you can't play golf at that level in my humble opinion, without having a good brain. I mean, I could imagine too, because Jack and Arnie were like the original, right? Like they're the ones that really made the PGA, the PGA. I know there's other, there's other players and other characters in the cast, let's call it. But like, you know, nostalgic, you look back and those are, those are the players, right? Yeah. Like those who you remember. Yeah. And then you remember other guys, like, oh, I remember this guy, like Trevino and, you know, whoever else and, and Gary Player. But like, I mean, they were golf. They were the sport, right? Like that was what people associated the PGA tour with was like Jack and Arnie and their relationship, their competitiveness, their friendship, yeah. you know, all that. So it's just like, I think for the younger generation, like, I mean, you know, I'm in my forties, but like, you know, the people are 20 years younger than me. They don't understand it. Like that was the Michael Jordan of the day, right? Those were the, like, those were the, the yeah. who's who. Um, yeah. And it also developing like the PGA tour was developing during those years as well. Sure, you know, there wasn't sure. like, so when Arnie came to you and said, come over, come over to Bay Hill 
and help me run it. So what was that like? Like, what was, what was the, what's the word? The plan, I guess, the best way of saying it. Like, what were you guys working on at that time? Well, what were you trying to develop? Just Bay Hill. It was all of his empire, if you will. Bay yeah, Hill, his empire. Bay Hill was being run, being run well then and still is. Um, but <coughs> Arnie always looked to his advisors. Mark McCormick, of course, took Arnie from a paint salesman <laughs> to uh, probably the most charismatic sports figure in our lifetime. And uh, so uh, my job was just to uh, deal with things that came across his desk. Uh, in fact, I told you, we were separated by an open door and he would get something mailed and he'd throw it through the door. Oh my say, God, seriously? What do you think of this? And uh, he would, you know, he'd get a hundred deal opportunities a week. So I would go over things. I would recommend things. I would recommend against things. It was just, I, I, I didn't get in IMG or Mark McCormick's way at all. There was no reason to. I was just sort of the guy that could sort of, uh, when Arnie was about to make up his mind, he would say, take a look at this. You're his and, sounding uh, board, right? Like you were there yeah, to help. He, I had no, I had no agenda. Uh, yeah, you know, in fact, skin in the game. You were just there to help out. It wasn't like well, you were. I, after about a month, he was paying me a retainer. After about a month, I went into his office and said, Arnie, uh, I don't want you to pay me. And he said, what are you talking about? Nobody ever told me he didn't want to pay me. And I said, well, if you pay me, I'm an employee. If I do this out of loyalty and friendship, then you will know that I'm, I don't ever have an, another agenda. And he said, I've never heard that before, but you're on. So that's the way we worked. For 10 years, I never never made a dime. The only person who thought I was nuts was my wife. <laughs> but you loved it. You loved every moment of it, right? Like it was it was to you heaven. Oh, yeah. Like that's, ex like, you know, when you do what you love, then it's different, right? Oh, and absolutely. And like you don't LPG need to be paid. No, no. The LPGA players love my wife, um, Arnie's. Uh, wife and Marilyn were very close. So it was just a wonderful time with a, a wonderful family. I swear to God, like you're like the jack of all trades. It's like this is, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I read your like, I did, I read your, looked at your website and I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, okay, you wrote a book, whatever, you know, first. And I was like, I love Jack and Arnie. And then I was like, and I started reading about you and I'm like, oh, I need to talk to this guy because I bet he, this, it was just, I, I've never, I was so fascinated. There's more, there's more questions i have about this but so thank you you're with arnie for 10 years and then so you were you're the business advisor to arnie and you're also a business advisor to jack as well yeah. correct and then who else have you been a, a business advisor to i worked with uh annika soren sam julie inkster and uh and dotty pepper at different times They'd call me up and say, hey, I'm sending you something to look over. And, and they, they would do that. So I obviously was close to uh, those three players and, and many, many more. So what do you love most about golf? The camaraderie or the game? What was the first thing you said? The what? What, what do you love most about golf? Is it, is it the more the camaraderie or the actual competition in the game? Certainly the camaraderie in my mind is probably number one. The venues where the game is played 
is a huge part of why I love golf. Um, I love to go on a new course. I love to go to a course that is, you know, 500 years old. Uh, we've, I've done that before. Uh, and I really, really love the, the, the competitiveness, but not, not, you know, not being happy to beat the guy, but just being thrilled and happy to have a head-to-head -head go. Uh, but it's certainly camaraderie and venue. For the I couldn't players. imagine all the people you've played golf with in your life. Like oh, all the yeah. famous people. <laughs> a lot of them. So, so let me ask this question to you. So when you were with Arnie or when you were with Arnie, were you still like on the board of directors of other companies at that time too? Oh yeah. 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 I served on so, three or four major companies in, uh, in Ohio. The J.M. Smucker Company, um, the Mead Corporation, so on, five or six. Wow. Like so then are you, now you live in California for half the year or you live in California the whole time? No, now? we're there half the year and we're in Boulder, Colorado, the other half, which is where I am now. Oh, okay, cool. I thought you were in California. Not now, too hot. Oh, too hot. I'm like, it's too hot. What would you, because you live in like in Palm Springs, right? Or somewhere around there. 109 today. <laughs> yeah, forget that noise. What made you start your podcast and how'd that come about? I just got interested in doing it and just started to do it. My son's pretty tech savvy. And so we, we did it. It's probably, we probably did the first one, which was with Nicholas, I think. Uh, about two or three years ago. Are you recording like weekly or do you, what do you record a bunch no, of ones? How do you normally since do it? I, since I wrote the book, I've been up to oh. years in that. So we've, we've got a couple of podcasts in the can, including one with Sir Nick and a couple others, but uh, we've taken a pause right now. Now, these are, I'm, I'm assuming this is all based on your personal relationships, right? With these people. And you're like, hey, you want to yeah. come on my show? Yeah. And they're like, sure, absolutely. They let me know when you want me. I had no, no problem ever. And I got a very diverse group all the way from uh, Nicholas to uh, the head of Starbucks to uh, Johnny Bench, who's a great friend of mine. And uh, a lot of other some, some gals, a lot of LPGA gals. Yeah, I saw your people on your list. I was like, holy smokes. <laughs> I mean, it's like the who's who i was like oh my gosh um so let's talk about your book so when did the book come out i think in april and what's it about my memories of my times with jack and arnie man and then where can people find that book it's amazon is the easiest place you can also get it the usga has a publications arm but amazon is the easiest place to get it and uh, it's, it's doing, I, th I think it's doing quite well. Yeah, I'm going to buy it. I'll be honest, I'll buy it. I just, I think I'm fascinated by these stories. And just, I think. It, I well, think I'll give you another fun. book that I wrote about 10 years ago, that if you really want to find out about my life back then, it's called Who's That with Charlie? And amazingly, uh, even though I wrote it 10 years ago, Amazon, you can still get it through Amazon. Really? And uh, wow. that tells you uh, more about me as a person. The uh, the Arnie and Jack is is obviously about them. But give that, that sounds a awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll get them both. That's that's amazing. So, what would you tell somebody like me 
and a younger generation coming into the golf industry as like advice? Work hard, work hard and prioritize. Thing I find that most people go wrong and they try to do too many things at the same time. So prioritize your 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 life and your your uh, your jobs. Uh, be be a nice guy. Let's face it. That's that was the heart of Arnie's charisma. He was a nice guy, and he was the same in private as he was in public. And Jack has become that way. Uh, he didn't start out that way, but he he, he became that way. So. Uh, I would say prioritize, work hard, and just be a plain nice guy uh, because people respond to that. So hopefully that'll that's helpful. I think it's good for any business, to be honest, right? I think it's great for any business or, you know, if you want to be a leader and you want to succeed in yeah. life, just yeah. be a nice guy and, you know, do the right thing and prioritize your your what's important, what's not. Arnie, Arnie once said, I may be missing this quote a little bit, but I was talking about being a nice guy. Charlie, being a nice guy is easy. It's you got to work to be a horse's ass. <laughs> oh my god, hilarious! And that, and actually, he said you got to you got to work to become an asshole. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> easy to be a nice guy. Anyway, I well, have... thank you for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Um, you guys need to check out Charlie's books. Um, he's lived a, an incredible life. A lot of, I mean, I, I may be hours of stories that he could tell. And if you know, there, there the books are. will just, just a small fraction of that. So I really appreciate you being on the show today and uh, love talk to you again sometime in the future. I would and, enjoy doing uh, it. Do, I enjoy doing it again. I love the fact that you prepare uh, a lot of people. I do a lot of interviews and sometimes it's like the guy never knew me until the minute we started talking. So I appreciate that and the preparation. Um, oh, and sure. I, uh, the, 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 as you said, the book is simply called Arnie and Jack. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it. Your, your fans you will find it on Amazon. Yes. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thank My you. Pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Behind the Golf Brand Podcast. You're going to beat me at golf. Stay connected on and off the show by visiting golfersauthority.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a comment. Golf is always more fun when you win. Stay out of the beach and see you on the green.